Yes, we're talking to Jeff. I'm uh, the bumper being me saying my name or me saying your name. Um, no, uh, basically it's um, hi. This is um, Neil Cohen, and then I couldn't would introduce himself. And hi, hi. I'll I'll start it off. Hi, I'm Jeff Haz, and I want to thank you all for being here. <laughs> Say it again, Zach. How's that? I stepped on your name. I stepped on your name. Say it again, clean. Jeff Haz. <laughs> no, no, Zach, your name. Say your, your name. Oh, my name, yes. Howard Zucker. <laughs> so, say your name. Come on. Zach Norman. And this is Neil Cohen. How do you spell that? <laughs> hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on SpoilerVerse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Welcome back, everybody. And guess what? It is time for another Kenrickless intro edition of Spoiler Country. The best kind. Uh, <laughs> Kenrick okay. is okay. He is moving right now. He just bought a house. Um, and uh, John and I are picking up that slack, trying to fill those shoes, desperately, desperately trying to uh, break into our inner werewolves to do a proper intro. It's not working right now. But uh, you know what is working? That was horrible. Chief what? Sabu. Chief Sabu. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we introduced, um, excuse me, we interviewed uh, Zach Norman and uh, Neil Cohen about uh, this film is legendary. Yeah. For being unreleased. Long unreleased film <laughs> finally came out. They sent over a copy to us. Jeff sat down and watched it and he really enjoyed it as you hear the interview, as you're going to hear the interview coming up and they had a really great conversation and uh, it's, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I got to say, I, I didn't know what to expect about this interview. To be honest, when it came in, I did not know what to expect. I had, I had like almost no expectations for it because I just didn't know what was going to come out of it. But what we got is solid gold. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually doing a little bit of research on these guys. Um, Zach Norman is a freaking boss. Uh, so apparently he owns um, or owned at one time several uh, Jean Michael Basquiat paintings. Um, and uh, that fascinates the hell out of me because, uh, yeah, me that too. shit's cool. Well, let's just take a listen and come back in just a second and hear what we have to say about more stuff. I want to talk more about Basquiat. We can after, after we come back. Let's listen to to Cohen and Norman in their own words, man. All right, all right, let's do it. 
Hello, listeners of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we had the fantastic Neil Cohen and Zach Norman. How are we both doing? I'm well, doing I'm great. Doing, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing even better, so I don't <laughs> want to get carried away, but I'm taller than Neil and younger than Neil. And unfortunately, you're not looking at me, but I, I won't go any further than that. It's pretty terrific. <laughs> well, that's what matters, right? Youth and yeah. height. That's, that's what matters. <laughs> so how are we both doing in the current um, situation that we all live in? Well, I'm, I'm finding staying home I'm, and I'm masked. Yeah, and I'm finding I'm, you know, liking being a hermit more than I thought I would. So uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I missed out on this by being social my whole life. It's uh, very interesting. Well, I don't find it that way because before the pandemic, my wife and I both wore masks in the house. (laughs) (laughs) So this is just every day for you guys. It's just another day. Yeah. (laughs) It's great getting older. (laughs) Well, well, I, I do say as someone who is, as myself, a germaphobic, Walking around outside with gloves and a mask on is actually a pretty good deal. Right. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting great. my life for this. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. But uh, is there anybody particularly that you would dress up as? For, for Halloween? No, just for uh, the pandemic. Oh, no, I, I, I dress up as someone who does not enjoy being, as an antisocial individual who does not like other people. <laughs> that's great. How about uh, both of you? How, how are you doing during this part of the season? Oh, are you kidding? For me, if I'm uh, breathing, it's uh, spectacular. (laughs) For me, I'm usually with my wife in the Hudson Valley during the autumn. So we've missed that because we haven't, you know, we're in Southern California. We haven't uh, risked getting on a plane. So I'm missing the autumn. You're going to have to handle that for uh, me, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) So... Obviously, you guys are, prom- are promoting Chief, I'm going to pronounce it wrong again, Zabu. 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 Zabu, yeah. Zabu. Now, because of the pandemic and because there's, um, convention season obviously is not active, is it become more difficult or to promote your movie? And do you have to be more creative in, in how you're doing it? Well, I, I don't think we have to be afraid at all. I mean, we're just having fun getting it out there. And uh, the fact that it's on these platforms, you know, it's on Amazon and iTunes and Google and Vudu, more people get a chance to see it. And it's people are very uptight right now, but they're fixated on politics. So if they want to have a little fun with politics, it's a perfect thing for them to take a look at. It's kind of fun to sell it during this uh, time of madness. Yes, I agree. I love selling in madness. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is this part of the, the grand plan you, to release it during election season? No, we were originally going to uh, release it in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you missed the window. The, the but window was, was no, missed. no, no. We didn't miss the window. We were ready. And we had one of the fine independent uh, film distributors distributing for us. And a week before we opened in Los Angeles and New York and going to the rest of the country, the distributor went into bankruptcy. Well, that's a and bingo. That brought us right here to the pandemic. <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, after seeing the movie and obviously knowing the plot of your movie and having it relate to some extent with Donald Trump, it seems almost faded that it's released instead this much better opportunity when you have Trump as president, the entire world, I guess, is paying attention to this man, and your movie is a perfect satire of him. So on some level, it's like fate kind of intervened, apparently. 
it, it, it's truly the, the, the most, the best description I've heard because we did make this movie and we did base it on a younger Donald Trump. He had just finished three years before building the Trump Tower. And could we ever imagine that that guy that we were satiring and based a movie on the character, the lead character, would become the president of the United States. It was impossible. <laughs> and it's still impossible. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys must be thinking now, Chief Zabu, the sequel, with uh, ben, Sid ben Sidney as president. Exactly. Ben Sidney yeah. as president and the chief's son shows up. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the day that we finished the newest and final cut on this picture, April 7th this year, our star, Alan Garfield, so unfortunately passed away from the, the disease. COVID. Yeah. The COVID, the, 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 the disease itself, the virus. I mean, and uh, it's just such a, a, a bizarre the happening that Neil and I had forgotten about the movie after a few years went by. And all of a sudden, one day we're having uh, lunch together. And it was that day that Trump announced his candidacy for the presidency of the United States. And Neil and I looked at each other like it was absolutely a dream. Impossible. <laughs> Yeah, and this guy came down the elevator and we said, wait a second, we made a movie about a New York real estate developer who wants to have political power. Maybe you we should go it. take another look at our film. Uh, yeah, it took us, uh, took us only six months to find it. That's all. <laughs> we had to go look in every place in the world and found it under my stairs in the basement. <laughs> but we found it. Well, and, and tell Neil how great it was. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, we, we didn't know where the movie was and then we found it and we said, let's take a look at this thing. And we had to get it transferred to uh, a digital just to look at it. It was on 35 millimeter in a can that hadn't been opened for 30 years. And uh, we took it to the last uh, lab in LA that does uh, 35 millimeter and told him the crazy story about this movie and could he transfer it to digital. But there was only one problem we had. We didn't have any money. <laughs> the guy said, uh, well, this is the craziest story I've ever heard in my life about this movie. And the thing is, you are legitimately, even though you're 143 years old as an aggregate, you are legitimate first time low-budget independent filmmakers, so I'll give you guys the student rate. So uh, <laughs> yes, that's yes. how we got the movie onto digital, so that we could do another pass at the edit, and uh, we didn't have any outtakes, of course. All we could do is cut out everything we didn't like after 30 years <laughs> and get it down into a fun fighting speed, and that was a great a creative exercise. And we started showing it to people. And next thing you know, the Hollywood reporters writing a great review of it. And there's a feature story about it in the New York Times and all these bloggers are embracing it. So, you know, we're a couple of nutty cult filmmakers out there having some fun with this may, comedy about Donald Trump. If I may interject just one thing, and I know Neil agrees, that it's such a revelation as to what happens to somebody after 30 years as an adult 
the two of us, you know, we would fight when we were making the movie. But all of a sudden, after 30 years, we, we both had a different perspective. Yeah. And I don't think we had one argument about one cut. Did we, Neil? No, no. no. It was just like we'd look at each other and say, that's out. Or we'd look at each other and say, uh, that's coming in too late. It should be moved up. Or that's too early. It should be moved back. And it, it was kind of like rearranging a jigsaw puzzle. Because as I said, we didn't have any outtakes. There was no additional footage. Right. All we could do is take out and move things around. And we weren't going to bring any actors back in for uh, reshoots. <laughs> no, no, no. Most of those people were too busy, you understand. <laughs> I hope you do understand. <laughs> That's right. They weren't around anymore. Yeah, and let me tell you. a harp up on a cloud. So uh, we, we, we just got this thing done. By and and started to do some movie film festivals, and yeah. it was the evening before the election that we did the Fort Lauderdale Film yeah. Festival. And let me tell you again, it was so it was now years in the making, many years, and we didn't finish the final cut until April 7th of this year. Yeah. Oh, my god. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's the reality, and uh, it's been the greatest experience I've ever had creatively. But look what happened! Look how you grow up in all those years. It's amazing. Yeah. So, we're well, delighted to be here. Believe me. Well, the, the, the thing you said is kind of interesting. Is that when you mentioned Alan Garfield, who played Ben Sidney, who died of, as you say, COVID nineteen. And interestingly enough, once again, he plays Ben Sidney, who is based on on some level, but Donald Trump, who in many ways is one of the major culprits for the COVID-19 pandemic in this country, or at least the spread of right. it. Obviously, I'm not going to give him blame for the virus existing, but he obviously is part of the reason why it keeps spreading. Because of that connection and of what happened to Mr. Garfield, um, did that add an, an extra element of purpose and urgency to completing the project? Well, I think so. I think without question that we we really had it, not to, not in completing it because it was literally the day that he died that we finished cutting it mm. this yeah. year, April seventh. But what it did do is give us a different perspective and a different view of how important it was for us to have people laugh, enjoy, and take a look at this movie. And that's what we intended to do. And that's how we got on all those platforms and really great platforms and people watching it and really enjoying it. And now here we come to this election and it's, it's just mind boggling to both of us as we, as we see and hear and think about Alan and, and the part he played. And don't forget at the end of the real picture itself, he becomes a California representative in Congress. Yeah. So we knew that he would then become the president. And holy moly, there he was. <laughs> the president. It's great. So we so, are so... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so looking after um, basically 30 years of, since you developed the movie initially or initially wrote the movie... Did your perspective on things, including maybe politics, having knowing what happened with Trump, 
did did you find that you're you viewed it in a more cynical fashion or and, and how you maybe changed the cut of the movie at all because of maybe the changing times and how you felt towards I, country I think and politics? the vibe no the 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 vibe and the political take and the satire that's in the movie that was original to what we Absolutely. baked in when we shot the movie and you know you have to understand you know we we wrote a script and then shot it in a very fast and furious way I, i'm sure a lot of your listeners are uh, themselves independent filmmakers or people who are at film school thinking about making a movie and uh, what we didn't understand probably to our benefit if we had understood this we never would have done anything but we didn't understand that when you make your first low budget movie that you're going to make in 15 days conventionally it's not supposed to have 43 speaking roles 23 locations and take place in the three cities on two continents so as you can imagine in 15 days we were doing a lot of scrambling but we had a pretty tight script and then the actors had a lot of fun with it so there was nothing in the cut in the recut where we were saying let's pump this up or or let's take that all that was baked into it already no, but the, the, the final cut that we agreed to do really happened because of Alan's death, in my opinion, mm. you know, that he was, he was sick there. So w what I'm saying about his death is that what we did is we took the film, the beginning of the film, almost like a prologue, and we brought it uh, to the present day. So when we started the picture, it became a different thing, and you knew immediately who the main character was, which preceding that, if you, if you agree, Neil, it took a while to figure out who was the star of the picture. Right. Well, Jeff, of course, hasn't seen the earlier cut, so uh, <laughs> we'll just take it on uh, the way it is now that, yeah, we messed around with the beginning a little bit to get a little more focus. Zach is correct. And I think giving it that focus on Ben Sidney at the beginning, you know, helps the viewer to watch the movie. You know, there's, there's a bunch of crazy people in here. You know who you're supposed to be following. Exactly. Yeah. So to, to, we're going to back up just a little bit. And for, for our listeners, how did you guys first meet? And what do you guys, because when you, when you have two people who work in a team, there's usually the idea that you got complement each other's skill set quite a bit. So how's it? So what do you guys each add to your team that uh, makes you guys that perfect, you know, combination? Well, I think you know I was probably the more of the writer, and Zach was probably more of the director. And then there's a Venn diagram where what we were doing crossed over. Of course, before Chief Zabu, uh, Zach had made many movies and had uh, produced and financed uh, many movies. One of the movies he financed won the Academy Award, a, a documentary, the great anti-Vietnam War documentary, Hearts and Minds, won the Academy Award in uh, 1974, was it, Zach? Yeah, 74. Yeah, it, we got it, yeah it was made in 73, and it was uh, the studio was too scared to release it, and Zach raised the money, and uh, that's how the movie got released. He's the presenter of that. He also raised the money for a movie that is everybody's talking about online right now called Daughters of Darkness, and that happens every <laughs> uh, Halloween. It's the first lesbian vampire uh, horror movie uh, that's a very classy movie no, and, and it was the uh, first it was incidentally you must say that it was the first lesbian vampire movie that i had done <laughs> 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 uh, 
and, and Zach had made a, a bunch of comedies and he had made a bunch of thrillers. So, you know, he knew the business a lot more than I but did. But let I me tell you, uh, let me tell you, if I may, that I couldn't have written this thing, period, without <laughs> yeah. Neil, because he was right there every step of the way and created the thing. I may have helped, you yeah. know, here and there, comedically and otherwise. But Neil really did the job, knew what he was doing. It would take ideas that I had, perhaps, and created some great stuff. And I mean, the way I, we I'm, met, to go back to your question on that, is thanks to Robert uh, Downey Jr. Because Robert Downey Jr.'s <laughs> father was a guy named Robert Downey Sr. And yes, Robert yeah. Downey Sr. <laughs> in the 60s made a series of quite, bizarre and wonderfully hilarious and very strange independent films with titles like uh, Putney Swope people can look up and Greaser's Palace and Pound. I mean, he was one of the originators of New York independent filmmaking and Robert Downey Sr. and Zach were looking to do some casting and through a strange series of events, I was a talent agent for about you know, 18 seconds in my life. And they walked into the office <laughs> of the talent agency where there was a client we had that they wanted. And the head of the talent agency had no idea who Zach Norman was or Robert Downey Sr. So he called me up from the basement and said, you would probably know who these guys are. Talk to them. And we had a good time. We put together a deal for this actress and I walked uh, them to the elevator. And Zach said, I, I must say, you're the, you seem like the most unhappy person I've ever met in the world. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, you know, you're a hundred percent right. And he said, why is that? I said, I don't want to be here, you know? And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to write. I write scripts. I'm here. I got to pay the rent. He said, well, uh, show me a script. I showed him a script. He said, why don't you quit your job and come work for me? We'll uh, develop some scripts. So nice. uh, that's how we started working together. And then uh, one day we're writing a script and Zach, you know, comes into the office. He starts telling me a story of being summoned to the uh, Sherry Netherland Hotel on Fifth Avenue, a very fancy hotel on Central Park for a business deal that all these people were going to attend. And when he gets there, it's a business deal where every hustler and shyster and con man in New York is surrounding a guy named Chief Kapu. Who's, uh, Clement, from, Clement Capoue. Don't, Clement don't, Capoue uh, from Namibia, use... who's trying to break away from South Africa. And yeah. he's in New York trying to uh, have a meeting at the UN. And he was having a meeting. The, That's right. Right. And also at the meeting is Warren Beatty and Elizabeth Taylor for some reason. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they know. were looking to buy a place in Namibia. Yeah, so <laughs> Zach, uh, you know, sees that this guy is doomed and every hustler is there. And uh, Zach turns around, leaves, comes back. He tells me this story. I said, we got to throw out everything we're working on. This is the script we got to write, you know. And, but, he, uh, and he went down and literally what happened in that room is how this happened in the picture. Yeah. With a guy standing up and he says, listen, the name of the game has changed. There's no more mergers and acquisitions. The name of the game today is countries. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can you imagine that? So and I that's see. what happened. Everybody was looking for a piece of this and a piece of that. And Neil started writing and yeah. bingo. I'm looking at a piece of paper that I got. I just looked at some old reviews that came out. 
on this picture. And one, I don't think Neil has will remember, but it says, my most holy film experience. <laughs> like That's true. Like finding out unicorns are real or Santa exists. Because so many people nah. had heard How do you of the like movie. That? Yeah. <laughs> they had heard of the movie but never, you know, knew if it was real or not, you know. And so we took that real story and then set it in the South Pacific because at that very time there were a whole bunch of islands in the South Pacific that were French colonies trying to break away and get their independence. And but at the same time, France was testing nuclear weapons in the open air in the South Pacific. So we said, OK, these characters are going to talk themselves into a deal. For and the Jeff, let me ask you, if I may, Jeff, do you, uh, if I may, could you guess where do you think where you think we shot this Namibian uh, location, this this Polynesian <laughs> place where, where bombs were going off? <laughs> may I tell you? Sure, yeah. sure. We shot, we shot it at my timeshare in the in the Caribbean. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Oh, of course. I mean, I, I never, I never knew there was value in timeshares, but I guess there was value. Exactly. Oh, that. Now, that, that was the one timeshare that paid off, and then we were lucky enough through the offices of Alan Garfield, who was a you know major player at the Actors Studio. He said, you know, I think my friend would love to be in this picture. My friend is Manu Tupu. So Manu Tupu, who plays the chief, is legitimate uh, Tongan royalty. And he was in many movies and he was a big teacher at the actor's studio. And he read the script. He said, I'd love to do this movie, guys. So that's Isn't who, that amazing. Uh, who gets to and play that's, the who, chief. That, that's how Manu Tupu really replaced Chief Zabu. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chief Kapu. Yeah, I keep getting Capu and Zabu mixed up. <laughs> so and that's, I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh, for, for Zai, since I mean, you had written before a movie or worked on a movie before with lesbian vampires, and yes, I did. this this experience that you found with with the investors and the celebrities that must have been extremely vampiric as well. I mean, did you have the sense <laughs> that they were literally feeding on this guy and everything that he might have had? They were trying to almost like devour. Oh, they were, they were trying to mutilate this guy and he didn't know it. Unfortunately, about eight months after that meeting, this guy was assassinated in his oh, home, home yeah. country. So it's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. However, we got very uh, lucky in as much as we really kind of did so much because of this chief and and we're so pleased and proud we shot the entire picture and neil can explain it so much better than me all the interiors when you're in new york city which we spent maybe neil a day and a half maximum we'd be outside the plaza hotel we'd be outside this place or that and when you walked indoors you were at bard college yeah, up in uh, New York State, yeah. because we shot all the interiors of the movie at this college. We lived in the dormitory during their month's hiatus, and we ate in the school cafeteria. And you we talk about making a cheap picture. Yeah, and we had twenty-two student interns who we were sharing the dormitory in with the bunk beds. So it was, you know, a, a kind of thing. I don't know that it's legal now to do such a thing, but everybody was well behaved, and we had a lot of fun. And it, yeah, I mean, that was, I think, part of 
being able to shoot on this college campus for us was as if we were on the MGM lot in the 1940s. You know, if you That's needed right. the if you needed the Plaza Hotel, well, you went into some grand building and redressed the inside as the Plaza Hotel. If you needed a Chinese restaurant, if you needed a radio station in Tiburaco, every interior is uh, on the campus of Bard. That's right. And the only one person who did not stay in the dormitory was Alan Garfield because he was playing Chief Sabu. <laughs> so he stayed in he stayed in the hotel until he got lonesome. And yeah. then he would come over to the cafeteria at night <laughs> and look around. But what a what a time it was. Yes. What a memory. Yeah. So yeah, and you know, and you know, this whole I mean it, it's not by uh mistake or by happenstance. I mean the intent of the movie is that everyone who's trying to take advantage of Chief Zabo somehow or another at the end winds up getting their dream based on the fact that they were taking advantage of Chief Zabu. The only person who doesn't guy. get what he wants is Chief Zabu. And that's, you know, you don't always get to make a, a slam dash comedy about colonialism, but yes, we <laughs> do. So, so in the 80s, what is it about Donald Trump that makes him so ripe for satire? Like, was it about oh. the man? The, the man himself was unbelievable. And whoever thought, not in a million years, that he would run for president, never mind become the president. He finished the Trump Tower in 1983. And that was the piece de resistance for, for, for this script. Coupled with the story of Chief Kapu, we just said, there's only one person in the world that could do this. And that's the guy that walked around New York like he owned it. And yeah. he walked and he needed people and love. And it was just that kind of guy. So that's who we found in Alan Garfield. A, guy, a, guy who's, <laughs> a guy who's, you know, out there and super needful and not particularly bright. Another element <laughs> that was constantly, you know, hammered home to us is living in New York, you know, you're if you're flying to Los Angeles or you're flying to Boston or wherever you're flying, you're going down to the airport and on the way to the airport right next to the highway and yeah. it's still there today and it was there 30 years ago, 40 years ago. There's literally the ugliest six-story building that overlooks the highway in, in the borough of Queens right outside of the airport. And on top of this building is a sign with the worst letter spacing you can imagine that says <laughs> the Trump Pavilion. And it's an old age home that is father built. And, it, and, and it's like such a, you see it, it's like a sight gag. It's like, okay, let's get a really ugly building. And then some people who are full of themselves are going to put a sign up about themselves, but they're going to pick the worst letters and it's going to be the ugliest thing. So we always laughed about the Trump pavilion. And that's why in the movie, uh, the boys are talking about there's going to be the Ben Sidney pavilion. Yes. <laughs> and we, and we fortunately were able to point to the uh, tower itself. <laughs> well, okay. Because, okay. because I think what, you, Zach, missed was you telling me that you liked the movie. 
I did really like the movie. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, how wonderful. I didn't know you even saw the movie. I oh. was trying to sell you and get you to go to the movie. No, no, no. Monica was very nice to um, make sure I got a, a screener copy and I made sure to watch. I actually watched um, watched it yesterday. So um, you actually, so you actually know that I'm bald. Yeah, that it, 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 the, 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 that secret was revealed pretty I can't early on. Believe it. I thought <laughs> I was. I, I kept. I kept running my hand through my hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, at least I did see it. I, I really did enjoy it. I, I, I enjoyed the comedy, and once again, as someone who is um, very strongly anti-Trump. I really appreciated the mockery of the man. But actually what I found a little bit was that Ben Sidney, the way he was written, feels like his, his, his vocabulary is slightly elevated than the man himself. Like you actually made a smarter version of Trump, even on some level. I don't know, I don't know if you noticed that or not. Well, it's, you know, the actor, uh, the actor actually became Ben Sidney, you know? And as the movie evolved, he took on a grandiosity in the shooting of it. I mean, That's for right. me, it was hilarious and wonderful to watch. Yeah, it, he really became a very important guy and the more he got important the more he wanted i yeah. don't think he started out thinking about the presidency but he ended up in congress which yeah. was mind-boggling wasn't it and yeah, you know no, where absolutely. he and you uh, know but, where he was going from there yeah and just from an actor and a director and a writer point of view uh, me and zach and each of us individually by the time he makes that political speech at the end, Alan Garfield as Ben Sidney, the crew and the extras were laughing. And after we said cut, he came over to us. He said, why are, why are people laughing? <laughs> he thought he was in a comedy That's at true. that point. That's true. He <laughs> forgot about the comedy, man. Yeah. He was who he was. Yeah. He was Ben Sidney. Well, and that, that's it. What I'm going to do, I'm going to hold off just for a minute and let the time run out. And then, like I said, I'm going to mute. And we're back, and he has an out of tune guitar. So, man, you can tune that thing. Maybe buy some strings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's all beat up. <laughs> so, what do you think of. Uh, Neil Cohen and Zach Norman talking with Jeff about Chief Zabu. Dude, I really enjoyed the hell out of this interview. Um, you know, every now and then something comes up on the show and it it introduces me to uh, something I wasn't familiar with yet. Um, and I'm a very learned man. No, I'm not, not really, but um, <laughs> uh, you so, some of the people that come on the show, is, they're just fascinating. And these guys definitely fit that bill. Like I said, solid gold, right? Solid gold. Yeah, yeah, it was great, man. And they were they were fantastic. And it, I, I I do believe I don't want to spoil it, but I do believe we may have more with one of them coming up. Uh, oh, cool. I don't want to spoil which one or who it is. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But uh, they they rather enjoyed their time on our show, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Cool, cool, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. And if you like that out there in the spoilerverse listening world, you can go to spoilerverse.com and check out a whole ton more back issues. We got almost. 500 episodes for you to check out. We are coming up, dude, next week. I believe it's next week. If I did my math right, next week we're going to hit 500 episodes. I don't know what we're going to do, but that's that's an insane number of episodes. And we've only been a show for three years, and you've been there in some fashion since almost damn near the beginning. Um, But 500 episodes is coming up soon. We're doing something cool for that. 
But you don't have, you don't have to go listen to all 500 are there, but go listen to some because we have more interviews and more shows you're going to love. And we have other shows on our network that you're going to love too. And we have, what else do we have, Casey? Uh, well, we have uh, on the website, we have a ton of articles, a ton of interviews and um, reviews of television shows and movies and comics all kinds of fun stuff. We have idiot ass articles written by myself that should probably be buried no, um, the best. and uh, uh, a lot more. So um, you guys be sure to check it out. Uh, and uh, while you're doing that, you can also check out our store. Yeah. Buy a t-shirt, buy a hoodie. You'll fly as hell and support the site. You know, Casey, speaking of your demos articles, do you know what my favorite one is? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Stephen King movie reviews from a guy who hasn't watched the movies. <laughs> that one makes me laugh every time I see it. And it's so long and so in-depth because you go through all of them. And I spent the, I spent the time to make a graphic for every freaking movie you did. And it took forever. But it's such a funny-ass article. And it makes me laugh because some of your reviews, some of your write-ups are just... Oh, my God. <laughs> like you're the fire starter in case... Oh, God. So good. My, my wife uh, said... We've never seen The Mist. Do you want to watch that? And I said, nope. <laughs> nope. You, I mean, you've already, you've already, you already wrote a review about it. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I essentially I know, I know it pr- pretty well from Wikipedia. <laughs> I, wrote, so, I wrote a nope. review about Cats, the movie, on a website. And I, I, I didn't watch Cats, but I wrote a review for it. And somebody responded like on it as if I, thinking I had actually watched it and told me I was missing the point of the movie. I'm like, it says I didn't watch it. This is a joke. <laughs> I was on a plane recently. It was before uh, Cats was released, like you know where it where it is now. Yeah, uh, and it for us was widely available. And it was on the airplane to rent, and I was like, "Am I gonna fucking watch Cats?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, nah, I don't hate myself that bad." <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Lisa butthole cut. Yep, yep, gotta have that butthole cut. So I think I think that's a show, man. I think we're done. We're kind of rambling now, so let's wrap this up. Let's just remind everybody that they can go to scpod.us slash discord and join our public discord server and chat with us up, answer the question of the day, talk about their favorite animes, books, comics, movies, pop culture things, whatever. Show off their pets, show off the tech, show off their cars. We have tons of channels. It's a lot of fun. We're doing contests and giveaways there. So again, scpod.us slash discord and join and be awesome just like we are. See you on the discord, y'all. Yeah. And then now, Casey, we got to do the outro, the part you don't like doing, say Moon Pie 4. So I'll start it off. Notions of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open your mind and read some books and read some movies. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs>